Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash lawless. Just go to Indeed.com slash lawless right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash lawless. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Sunshine. I'm Alexi Lawless and welcome to the State of the Union podcast, where we look at the beautiful game on and off the field through the lens of red, white, and blue colored glasses. This episode, we'll be talking the Austin embarrassment, U.S. men's national team vacancies, Mossy's Neymar-less PSG, Spurs sputtering, Liga MX in the U.S., Ted Lasso harm, question mark, and so much more. But first joining me, as always, my friend, my colleague, my guiding light, David Mossy, a soccer savant and a Fox soccer researcher and writer extraordinaire. Mossy, how are you doing on this Wednesday, March 8th in the year 2023? I'm doing well. I'm getting a lot of you this week. We work together on CCL. We, it, too much of a good thing? Or are you okay with it? Just the right amount. We're going to talk a whole lot about uh, CCL. Did you watch anything uh, since last we spoke? I have not started The Last of Us yet, but uh, I'm getting pressure from all different directions. Last night, our boss, Zach Kenworthy, was stupefied that I haven't watched this show, and so I am going to start binging it. The season finale, I believe, is coming up this weekend, so if I hurry, I can perhaps catch up in time to watch the finale. Otherwise, I'll just binge the whole thing after the finale is there. Wow. All right. Well, a stupefied Zach Kenworthy is not something that you want to trifle with. Um, all right, let's see. What do I what do I have? Yeah, uh, two things. One, um, you know, I love my docs and I love my crime docs. Uh, new one on Peacock, two episodes, and it's called Who Killed Robert Wone? And it's about this strange uh, murder that happened in D.C. back in the mid-aughts uh, of this, uh, this young lawyer. And there's all sorts of drama and mystery as to who actually did it, even though they know who was in the house. And uh, it was it was really good, actually. Uh, not too long. And you are not necessarily given the answer at the end. And sometimes that can piss me off. But this one, I think it's good because it, it leaves you guessing. And they have all the major players. And it really actually was interesting to see how defense attorneys work. work and it was almost even more at times interesting to see how the you know, the prosecutor and defense go about uh, defending somebody in a, uh, in a murder trial. So that's, uh, that's one that I would recommend. And then I'm looking forward because I'm obsessed with this Malaysian Air uh, plane, um, MH370, the plane that disappeared. It's a new one on uh, Netflix, a documentary. You remember years ago, this, uh, this plane completely di disappeared off the face of the earth. But we, we, we just lost a plane, all right? And you say, how is that possible that that could happen? But, you know, Anytime you're flying over an ocean, just take a look down and you can see how it, it could happen. But it shouldn't happen. And it just continues to confound so many as to what ultimately happened uh, to this plane. So that's a documentary on Netflix. I think it just dropped. We're recording this on Wednesday, so I think it just dropped today. So I'm going to have to uh, check that out. Um, I have, you can see I have this thing on my wrist because I'm getting ready for my surgery. We are recording, like I said, on Wednesday. My surgery is on uh, Monday for my my knee replacement. So I was uh, out at the, uh, uh, you know, get, doing the pre-op stuff and they, they, they load you up with all sorts of information and uh, prescript prescriptions. I got all sorts of drugs coming my way uh, next week when it comes to this uh, knee operation. So I am ready. And, and uh, you, know, I'm, you know, I'm pretty excited about it in as much as one could be excited about doing something because hopefully it's going to uh, 
you know, change change my life for the uh, the better when it comes uh, to the knee. But you know, it's still a surgery. And don't and don't worry, we're going to have you covered when it comes to the State of the Union. We got all sorts of things planned. We'll talk a little bit more about that uh, later on in the show. Uh, ready to light this candle? Let's do it. All right, let's start it right off. And uh, should we start it? <laughs> Concacaf Champions League. You want to rile me up? I think you lobbied for this to be at the top of the show because you know I'm a little bit riled up about this. Yes, the Concacaf Champions League is off and running this year. Uh, we had an FS1 doubleheader last night, round of 16 first leg action. You called the first match alongside Keith Costigan. It featured Haitian side Violette against Austin FC. This match played in the Dominican Republic due to the situation in Haiti. And Violette came away with a stunning 3-0 victory. What the heck did you make of this one? All right, so for, before I get into the actual uh, game, uh, a little peek behind the curtain with uh, with uh, my friend Keith Costigan and your friend. And and by the way, Keith is incredible at, uh, at what he does. He is a real talent in terms of broadcasting games and just being in front of a microphone and the love of his game uh, of the game and the knowledge of the game really shines through and so it's always a a pleasure and a privilege to be able to work with him i am a studio rat okay it's where i think i do my best work it's where i feel the most comfortable but i did start doing games when i first started doing television and it's a very very different type of performance uh and so you have to kind of move your mind. And, you know, I, I certainly can get rusty like anybody else and anything else in life. The more you do it, the better off uh, you are. And so thanks to uh, to Keith for kind of pulling me through uh, as I came back into the world of, of calling games. And it is fun. But like I said, it's a different type of performance. You have more time and theoretically more space. But what you say is very different than what you're going to say on the uh, when you're at the studio sitting at the desk doing the stuff that I uh, that I usually do. But it was it was really really interesting to call this game. We came on air, and Mossy, I'm going to give kudos to you because you helped us prepare. And for Austin, it's not a problem. We've seen this team, and there's plenty of information out there. For Violette, it it was a problem <laughs> to get as much information as we possibly could. And you're wonderful at culling it from whatever sources that you have, translating it from all sorts of different things, and making us feel as prepared as we possibly could for a team that can't even play at home in Haiti because of the political situation. So they're playing all of their games in the Dominican Republic where they have actually been training. And after this first game, which we'll talk about in a second here, the second game is in peril right now because of the political situation and the problem with getting visas and the, and the fact that Haitian passports aren't recognized. So there's all sorts of stuff and challenges going on off the field, uh, not the least of which is getting information on, on the players. But ultimately, the whistle blew. This is Austin's first time in this tournament, the CONCACAF Champions League. I was excited to see what they would look like because this represents progress. This represents a team that has ambition, all right? Any team thinks about themselves and their brand, not just domestically, but globally, internationally. And this is what teams want to, want to be a part of. And Austin came out and shit the bed. It's, there's no other way to say it. It was ultimately an embarrassing performance for Josh Wolf, the head coach, for the team that was on the field, for this organization, and for Major League Soccer. Is it insurmountable the hole that they have dug for themselves losing three nothing I don't think so but this was not a good look for anybody involved and for me and Keith it was not something that we or let's be honest anybody saw coming and hats off to uh to this team who came in with all of these challenges and were able to ultimately get not just a result but a historic result with Violette, and they scored. They scored again. They scored in the same way. They recognized weakness. They had the tactical and technical ability to uh, to consistently go down, for example, a left-hand side, and they made Austin look like a bunch of boys running around on a youth team. It was a Shetty double and then a Tarek own goal, which accounted for the scoring. I do think if Austin play their strongest lineup next week and go pedal to the metal for 90 minutes, they still should definitely go through. They should beat this team 4-5-0 or five nil at home. Would you agree? Yeah, exactly. And, and Keith and I, when we were talking at the end of the game, nothing said that this was done. Also, nothing said that this wasn't a, an embarrassment in terms of what, what happened. And this gets, up to, gets into a whole lot more about 
taking it seriously and recognizing the opportunity and the responsibility that you have. And look, I understand we can throw out all sorts of uh, excuses. It's, it's early in the season. You're, you know, you're rotating players, uh, load management, whatever, okay? But none of that matters to me. Austin spends way more money, has way more talent, has way more depth, and yet in that moment, they did not show that. And that is on the organization, and as I said, that's on uh, Josh Wolf for deciding, hey, we're, not, we're going to play a B team. We're not even going to bring someone like Jossie Zardes. We're not going to start our, de our designated players. And you got what you deserved because it was, I think, ultimately disrespectful to your opponent, disrespectful to the tournament, and disrespectful to your own organization, ultimately what you, what you did. Now, I know I'm getting riled up here because I wear my MLS and U.S. soccer <laughs> heart on my sleeve, and I don't like when I see something like that. It's not, it's not good for these teams. It's not good for... Uh, it's not good for the uh, good for the league. Now they can go back, and like you said, they have plenty of talent, and it would not surprise me in the, if the least, in the least, if they were able to overcome this. But uh, I don't want to hear excuses. I don't want to hear any excuses because you know who didn't have excuses? The other MLS teams that found a way to get results against all right, okay, okay, for some of them, okay opposition, and for others, some pretty good opposition. We are recording this on Wednesday. There's still more games to come tonight and tomorrow night with MLS teams featuring Vancouver and LAFC. But the big shock and ultimately the big disappointment was this Austin team. And the nightcap last night was the sexiest matchup. It's the only MLS versus Liga MX matchup in this round of 16. Tigres against Orlando. Tigres, as we talked about, a lot of people's favorites to win this competition, but Orlando went down to Mexico and got themselves a nil-nil draw. And so this tie will be decided next week at Exploria Stadium. And Tigres' star, Andre Pierre Gignac, will not be available for that second leg because he is not vaccinated, so he's not allowed in the United States. Novak Djokovic has had a similar issue in the tennis world, so it's something we're, we're still dealing with. You're shaking your head. We don't get into politics here, but I'm sure you have your opinions on all that. He, uh, he should he should just walk over. <laughs> I mean, this is ridiculous. All right, and it's and it, it's okay. In any event, uh, very good result for Orlando. Uh, a lot of people thought they'd be in trouble in this uh, matchup. Uh, Oscar Pareja rested his starters in the MLS game against Cincinnati the previous weekend, and it paid off because they looked very fresh, full of energy, went out there, put in a very good performance. I will say though, the away goals rule is in effect in the round of sixteen quarterfinals and semis, not the final, but uh, it is in this round which means you could look at this as a slightly overrated result because any scoring draw in the return leg sends Tigres through. So I actually would still give Tigres a slight advantage. Yeah, but, and look, they, they heavily relied on their goalkeeper. Galassi had an incredible night, and you know that was part of the story. And look, you need a goalkeeper to, to do big things, but you can't always count on that happening. So yeah, I would, of the two... Because, you know, Philly's not playing the greatest team in Allianz, so, and they had plenty of opportunities, and they probably should have scored away goals and, won, and ultimately won that game. But when it comes to, uh, to Orlando, yeah, I, I think it, it, is, it, is, it should be considered a positive, with, with, without a doubt, but they still got a lot of work to do. And I'll tell you what, if Orlando take out Tigres in this round... Ooh. Everything's then, wide open. Yeah, I would say then it's very likely that MLS is going to win CCL again. Tigres is, is by far the biggest threat from Mexico this time around, I would say. And then you just mentioned that uh, the second half of our FS1 doubleheader was a game between Alianza from El Salvador, who played host to Philadelphia. Nil-nil draw at the Estadio Cuscatlan, which was just dreadful pitch conditions, but it was the same for both teams. Uh, this game did feature a curious moment in the second half that I thought our Stu Holden handled pretty Ably and nimbly. Let's take a listen. And uh, we're going to have a stoppage here. Oh, we got a dog on the field. That's a new one. What a touch. Oh, boy. I wonder if he's going to play in the position K9. Nope. Nope. Oh. Stu, Stu auditioning for the Westminster Dog Show uh, this year. Yes, a dog ran on the pitch in the second half which was one of the more exciting moments from this game, frankly. It it's, ended always it's always fun to see a dog uh, run on the field. By the way, that dog played better defense than anyone on the back line of Austin uh, <laughs> last night. Uh, and it's, it, 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 so it was a wonderful moment. Well done, Stu, as cringy as, uh, as your puns always are. Um, 
it's just it's it's just fun to see. And they, you know they picked him up and carried him off the field, so uh, that was fun. But ultimately, from a, a soccer perspective, good results. Philly would have wanted more, and they and they you know they were peppering. Yeah, again, because of the away goals rule. This can be looked upon as a scary result because a scoring draw sends Alianza through, but Philly is just such the better team. They, like Austin, rotated their lineup heavily, but I think got away with it to a much better degree than Austin did, and I expect Philly to play their starters in the second leg at home and to beat Alianza and go through. Yeah, and look, and and Philly brought starters in, as and Austin did some of them, but Philly is much more adept and able to mix and match and they're much further along than what uh, what Austin are. But yeah, I mean, I, I I still see Philly going through. To your point, I think Orlando has some work to do, and they're going to still need a magical type of moment and game, whether it's from Galassi or somebody else out there, because Tigris is going to uh, Tigris is going to be hung- hungry, as we mentioned tonight. Um, Vancouver versus uh, Real España, uh, and then Alagoense versus LAFC on Thursday. Uh, to finish up CCL. Uh, to go back to where we started. If you're going to play in a tournament, <laughs> all right? You're still fired up about this. You better take it seriously, all right? If you're not taking it seriously, then why the hell should I take it seriously, whether I'm a broadcaster or a fan or just a passerby, all right? And big teams are able to fight on multiple fronts. I said it last night during the game, and it bears repeating. If you want to be a big team, and I'm assuming that every team, including Austin FC, wants to be a big team, wants to play internationally, wants their brand to grow, then you have to figure it out. And I'm not saying there aren't difficulties and challenges. But you know who had difficulties and challenges? Violette. They are the only ones that can sit around and complain about on and off the field the difficulties that they have encountered. And you know what? They didn't. They went out there and they did the job. That, my friends, is what a team does. That is actually what a big team does. And Violette, they are not a big team. And Austin, you're trying to be a big team? Didn't show it me last night, but you get another opportunity next week. All right, what else? Uh, in terms of MLS this upcoming weekend, some good matchups to look forward to. Seattle, off to a great start. Two wins out of two, six goals scored, zero against. They'll look to make it three wins out of three. They travel to Cincinnati to face a Cincinnati team that's collected four points from their two games. Uh, this is a pretty sexy matchup. It's sexy. Uh, you know, we're still early days when it comes to uh, MLS. And when you look at teams, whether it's, uh, you know, a team like, uh, like Seattle, um, we're talking uh, some other teams that have only played at home, Miami. We're going to talk more about them. I, I think it's important to recognize that the real test of an MLS team is ultimately when they go on the road. And part of the, the challenge, if you will, when it comes to Major League Soccer with this manufactured parity is getting the points at home, which is what someone like Seattle has done. And, and you know, when it's being reflected on what happened last year, I do think that we are right to be bullish about Seattle with what they, are, with what they have done so far. But let's see some of these teams go on the road and actually uh, live up to what they have done in the first uh, in the first couple of games. Whether it's a Seattle that has a long story tradition of being successful, notwithstanding last year, uh, or a Miami team that doesn't and has won at home. So well done to both of them in terms of winning at home. Now we'll see them on the road. Uh, Jordan Morris with three goals in the first two games. And yep. also my boy Ebich, what a pickup he's been from NYCFC, scored in both games. I mean, if you're an NYCFC supporter right now, and you're looking at this with what Eber is doing and the flux that your team right now is in, you have to be scratching your head saying, well, why is that happening? But it's good for him. What else? Charlotte will play host to Atlanta. Charlotte seeking their first points of the season. They've dropped both so far. Atlanta with four points from two games. This is a rivalry that MLS has high hopes for. Really, all these Southern matchups, Charlotte, Atlanta, Nashville, Orlando, they want to cultivate a dynamic where any of those matchups have a lot of juice to them. And so uh, first matchup this season between Charlotte and Atlanta. Yeah. I mean, when I was, uh, you know, I can't remember what I was either in Charlotte or either in, I think it was Atlanta or I was in Charlotte, one of the, one of the other, but you know, we were talking about the Nashville stuff and for Charlotte, it was all about Atlanta and for Atlanta, it was all about Charlotte. And you know, it's not that they don't have a rivalry with, with Nashville, but to your point, this is a big, uh, this is a big deal. Now, two clubs, at least initially, and like I said, early days, going in different directions here with Charlotte 0-2. We, we know that they, uh, 
you know they dropped that uh, that uh, that game to uh, to St. Louis in the uh, in the opener last week. They're sitting in 14th place, and Atlanta sitting in fourth. And I think Atlanta are back, um, but I'm not quite sure. And for them to go into, like I said, Charlotte, a desperate Charlotte right now, in what it has to be said is just a wonderful environment. Not, you know, whatever happens on the field happens on the field, but around the field, they're packing that place. They are excited. That's going to be fun. That's going to be our uh, Fox game. So our friend uh, that we were just talking about, Stu and John, uh, John Strong, are going to be uh, doing that game. So that's going to be fun to watch. And then NYCFC will play host to Inter Miami. Inter Miami off to a great start. A pair of two. Nothing victories over the top two teams in the East last season, Montreal and Philadelphia. But to your point, they got to go on the road now and prove it. Yeah, my guys in pink. Now they have to go on the road. And this is this is big because there is some desperate talk about desperation. I think there's some desperation from NYCFC. And I think also to be fair to NYCFC, we are not going to see what this team ultimately really looks like until the summer window and the summer transfer uh, summer transfer window. But for Miami, if they go up to NYCFC, and they find a way, even just to get a result, then then I start feeling much more comfortable that this is a Miami that is obviously moved on from last year, and, and not just the personnel, but maybe even the mentality of last year, and has taken it up another notch. What else, Mossy? That's it. That's it. And look, and again, we we're just we're just scratching the surface here. All sorts of games. We know that Saturday, Saturdays now are just a. Uh, a smorgasbord of of uh, of, uh, of MLS games. So hope you check them all out. We just hit a couple of them here, and uh, but there's plenty of them, and they will just come fast and furious. So I'm gonna actually take a Saturday, the first Saturday that I've been home for a while, and just completely just gorge, my, gorge myself on MLS when it comes to Saturday, every single game. And here's my segue. Inter-Miami, we know, would love to sign Lionel Messi. There was a UEFA Champions League result today that might have helped them in that pursuit. Ooh. Look at you. All right. Well, we will talk about that when we come back. We're going to take a quick break. And when we do come back, well, Mossy already told you what we're going to talk about. So don't go anywhere. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Okay, welcome back. We are in a uh, Champions League week, and so there's all sorts of games that are going on, some really exciting games, and... Uh, you know, some games that uh, have decided either going home or going on. So where do you want to start here, Mossy? Yeah, we have our first four quarterfinalists. Two teams moved on Tuesday, two more on Wednesday. We'll go in chronological order on Tuesday. Chelsea overturned a 1-0 deficit against Dortmund by winning the second leg at Stamford Bridge 2-0. Raheem Sterling late in the first half. And then Kai Havertz from the penalty spot made it 2-0. A contested penalty to begin with. A handball on Marius Wolf, And then Havertz hit the post, but was allowed to retake it because there was encroachment from players on both teams. A lot of people were upset about that. Letter of the law, it is the correct decision, no doubt about it. Um, how did you feel about that whole sequence? Yeah, so the the retake, I didn't have a problem with. I mean, I have a problem with it, and, it, and it's kind of stupid, but it's absolutely letter letter of the law. And you know, there's there's a lot of people that are breaking the law in that moment. But if you read the laws, uh, it was actually the right thing to do. I actually had a bigger problem with it actually being called in the first place. Uh, I didn't think it was necessarily uh, lived up to. And who knows what, you know, it's, it's a subjective type of thing when it comes to uh, a handball. And, you know, once Kai Havertz missed the first one, there's always that psychological uh, and and tactical decision. Do you have the player take it again? Well, he stepped right up, and obviously Potter didn't have a problem with that, and uh, and he made it count. On the American front, bad news for Dortmund, but good news for U.S. fans. Julian Brandt uh, picked up a hamstring injury in the opening minutes of the game, and which meant Gio Reyna came on and played virtually the entire match, which was a pleasant surprise. Pulisic came on at the very end when Chelsea were protecting that lead, didn't have a chance to do a whole lot, but we did get almost a full 90 minutes from Gio. Raphael Hunenstein on The Athletic and his piece about the game was pretty critical. He said the 20-year-old showed why he hasn't been starting games lately. What did you make of his performance? Well, 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think it was great, but he hasn't been starting. I mean, he has been a super sub, something we've talked about consistently on the State of the Union. And, you know, maybe that's kind of where he has, uh, you know, fallen into. And so five, you don't plan for five minutes into the game, somebody getting hurt. And this is a big player getting hurt. This is actually, like you said, the Geo, one, the Geo story we will talk about. But Brank getting hurt, that is a big, big loss and a big uh, problem. But you're there to come in, and whether it's five minutes in or halftime or two minutes left in the game, you have to be re- you have to be ready. I you know I didn't think he looked at the top of what Geo has been or what we think he can be, but at least when they turned down the bench, that was the first one that they decided uh, to put in. That that bodes well, I guess. But I don't think Brandt's going to be involved in the weekend. So do you roll it back and say, all right, now you're our, our guy out there and keep going? Or do you say, we just had to use you because it was an emergency type of situation, but we still think you're better in a substitution relative to Gio Reyna? It was pretty cool for those last 10 minutes or so to have Pulisic yeah. and Reyna on the field. They, they clashed a couple of times going for the ball. So, you know, it was. And, you know, this was huge for Potter. Okay, Uh, in, you know, he is still (laughs) fighting for his job, fighting for, let's be honest, credibility. But in the in the result, he actually made some history, uh, becomes a second. I checked this, so I have a better stat than. Oh, okay. All right. So hold on. But but can I say my stat first? I don't know if it's true. Why don't I just give the one that I know is correct? Um, You don't believe that this is true, then? Yeah. Graham Potter has become just the third English manager to reach the Champions League quarterfinals since the inception of the competition. He joins Harry Redknapp and Craig Shakespeare. All right, so you don't think that Graham Potter has become the second English manager since 2010 to reach the final eight? Uh, I'd have to go back and check the years for Redknapp and Shakespeare. The the Shakespeare one was obviously with Leicester when he took over uh, for Ranieri, so I remember that well. They knocked out Sevilla in the round of 16. We covered that. I'd have to go back and check the year of the Redknapp one. There's a lot of words flying back and forth here. Uh, Are you calling out producer Sean here in terms of his information here? That's all I need to know. Without having checked it, I'm going to assume it's wrong given his track record. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Well, can we just in general say that this was a good night for Mr. Potter? Yes, yes. Okay, good. All right, yes. And he did, regardless, I think he did create or, you know, achieve something uh, historic and possibly save his job. Uh, before we get to Wednesday, this isn't in the rundown, but I do want to give Benfica some love. Oh, really? Okay, go ahead. We, we talk about Napoli, but this is the other team that's really been impressive this season. They brushed aside Club Bruges. They beat him 5-1 in the second leg to complete a 7-1 aggregate triumph. They're off to the quarterfinals. This is the team that topped a group that included PSG and Juventus. Alexi, they've lost one match in all competitions this season. They're comfortably ahead in the Portuguese league. Here they are in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. So let's give them some credit too. Gonzalo Ramos scoring lots of goals. He's a guy who broke out in the World Cup. Remember, scored that hat trick against Switzerland. He's the guy that essentially benched Cristiano Ronaldo. So Fine. But if they weren't playing Bruges in this moment, if they were playing any of these other teams, would you put them as a favorite in any of these other teams I think had we'll, they come up against I them? think we'll find out because in the quarterfinals, they're going to meet somebody well, of, of higher pedigree. Have, but I'm and, saying here... In the in the round of eight here, would you would, would any of them would you have put them above? No, right. So you think they were? They've got they have had. I'm not saying they haven't done done well, but I think they've also had a favorable path once it came into the uh, you know past the group stage. But fair enough for them to come out of that group. Absolutely, kudos. Incidentally, to Bruges have an English manager too, Scott Parker. Had he advanced, he would have joined this list that we were just talking. Right, about. and we would have argued about that, and Sean would have been wrong about that, and he would have been <laughs> right about that. Okay, uh, all right. So what else we got? All right, now let's go to Wednesday, the marquee matchup: Bayern Munich against PSG. Bayern had won the first leg at the Parc des Princes one nil. They won today two nil. Both goals in the second half. Chupo Moting scoring against his former club. He had had a goal called off minutes before because I don't think Thomas Muller prevented Donnarumma from saving it, but nevertheless, letter of the law, he was in an offside position. He lunged at it, right. so you have he to call He made an attempt to play sides. the ball because he didn't touch it. Right, didn't touch right. it. Uh, right. But then Chupo Moting scored one that did stand, and then Gnabry sealed it late. Uh, they completed a 3-0 aggregate triumph. Uh, you have something you want to say to me well, about this I, match? I just... We continue to talk about Chupamoteng, right? And I, I can't understand it. I mean, we I was at the FIFA Awards, right, a couple of weeks ago. At what point does this guy just become the the the, the most informed, hottest goal scoring machine that we have seen? It's pretty incredible what he is doing, is it not? 
Yeah, no, it's a stunning story to go from Stoke reject to leading the line <laughs> for Bayern Munich in big Champions League games. But no, he's earned it. He's he's playing great. And he, you know, he doesn't have any of the attrib- attributes of the great goal scorers that we talk about, right? He he certainly doesn't have, you know, the uh, I guess the flair and the the class of a uh, of a Benzema or or the you know or the speed of a Mbappe or the physical nature of uh, an Erling Holland, and yet he just at this point has developed a, a, a smell and a sense for scoring goals that I just didn't see coming. But it's great for him, and obviously it's great for uh, Bayern Munich. Bayern, by the way, they brought on his subs in the second half. Leroy Sané, Sadio Mane, Serge Gnabry, and João Cancelo. Rub. That really is uh, Cancelo, by the way, sounds like has already fallen out of favor at Bayern as well and is acting up in training. So that guy might have a bit of a problem. He might need to go to anger management classes. But It's possible that he's just a dick. <laughs> But nevertheless, still a pretty good player to have on the bench. And, and he set up the second goal. Hey, look, being a dick never uh, disqualify <laughs> players from actually, uh, you know, starting and playing and playing well. So From the PSG perspective, uh, they go out meekly, not scoring a goal. You know, their Champions League exits have tended to be loud. That incredible collapse against Barcelona, the way they blew it against Real Madrid last season. This almost felt ho-hum in an embarrassing way. They just got swatted aside by a better team. I mean, in a, in a moment where we are rightfully extolling the virtues of arguably the greatest player ever to play the game, there was a point during this game where I was like, put Messi in. Cause it, and, and to be fair, his friend Mbappe wasn't doing a whole lot either. I was talking to my dad about this, that PSG is such a black hole that even Messi gets sucked out. <laughs> I mean, if you only watched PSG Champions League knockout games the last couple of seasons, you'd think Messi was washed up, which we know he's not because we just had a World Cup right. in which he quite clearly proved he's not, but somehow you put that PSG jersey on, you go play a big Champions League game, and you, you can't perform. And yeah, so... This is, is, is this the end of an era? Well, uh, Messi is going to be interesting because his contract is up at the end of the season, so we'll see if he resigns. Mbappe, the way the deal was structured, I think the following summer is when he would look to leave. It was a Two-year deal with an option for another year. I think there was an understanding that in the summer of 24, if he wants to leave, they would let him go. So he might have to spend another season there. But conceivably, a year from now, we could be talking about PSG without Messi and Neymar. Correct. Right. Yeah, Neymar, they would love to unload this no, summer, but, but his but injury... We've talked about the Neymar situation, yeah. but do you see that as a, as a real possibility? I think it's a distinct possibility. Interesting. Interesting. And, and by the way, this is all occurring against the backdrop of this... Qatari consortium, which is basically the same people as PSG, trying to buy Manchester United. So there's a sense that they've grown bored of the PSG project and are now going to try to move on to another big European club. So PSG might even not even be a priority for them in, in the coming years. So oh we'll see what happens with all of that. You know, it's it's rough when the billionaire gets bored and moves <laughs> on to someone else. Um, all right, what else we got? And Spurs? Last one. Yeah, Tottenham crash out of the Champions League. Nil-nil draw at home against AC Milan. Uh, the Rossoneri had won the first leg at the Sun City 1-0 on a goal by Brahim Diaz, so they take it 1-0 on aggregate. First time uh, in 11 years, they advanced to the quarterfinals. Stefano Pioli doing a fantastic job there. And yeah, Tottenham were really poor today. Mike Magnan, the Milan goalkeeper, didn't have a whole lot to do. Made a nice save on Harry Kane late on a header, but that was about it. And so now all sorts of questions with Tottenham. Antonio Conti's tr- contract is up at the end of the season, and I know you don't think he's long for that job. No, I think I think it'll be mutual. It's like, well, we're not going to have you continue. And I think he's saying, well, I'm not going to continue. So it'll be one of those where we've we've parted ways and we wish each other luck. But it it it, it ran its course. It didn't result in the great things that they envisioned. Um, and I'm not sure that his reputation necessarily has been damaged. But this was a Spurs team that he never got kind of out of that second second gear, and they are without Kane and Son not kind of doing what he has done in the past, they are a one-man team. Yeah, so one English team crashes out in Tottenham, one goes through Chelsea. We'll see next week what Liverpool and Manchester City do. This is kind of a larger storyline here after all their spending in January and the Premier League kind of flexing its financial muscles. A lot of people are rooting against these English teams, so that's been kind of something interesting. To, and I think we, so we only want, only one that we got wrong was the Chelsea one. We thought that uh, Dortmund was going to find a way to go through. I'm sort of kicking myself because before the tie, I predicted Chelsea. And then after the first leg, when you asked me the other day, I blurted out Dortmund for some reason. So yeah, it goes down on the ledger as me getting that one wrong. But well, I mean, to be fair, they, it's not like they just completely overpowered Dortmund. I mean, it was, it was still a good, uh, still a good game. But. And last thing on Tottenham, a lot of talk about Pochettino going back there, but I'm interested in Kane uh, at 
next season does he finally say, "Hey, if, if a city or a Manchester United come, well, it wouldn't Such be city a anymore because of Holland." Such a but tease. Every single summer, every single year, we get we get going through this, and he won't. It's kind of got this, the rumors, and so it's kind of got this LeBron, Cleveland, Durant, Oklahoma City. At some, at what point does loyalty run out, and you just want to win, and you, so you go somewhere else? And I, I get that, but if you want to go, go. Like, <laughs> do it. I, you know. Anyway, all right. Uh, look forward, right? All right. So, in terms of this upcoming weekend in the Premier League, uh, Manchester City. I just mentioned them. They're away to Crystal Palace on Saturday, so they'll look to win that to put some pressure on Arsenal. Arsenal then have a tough game on Sunday. They are away to Fulham. Fulham lost to Brentford last time out, but they're having a very good season. They're seventh in the Premier League. You've got the two Americans at the back and. Reem and Robinson continuing to play well. Palinha, who missed the Brentford game through suspension, will be back for this one. You've got uh, my two Brazilian boys, William and Andres Pereira. Mitrovic up top. So I like this Fulham team. I think they could give Arsenal a real yeah. game here. I mean, they are, they are, I guess, yeah, they're punching above their weight and that they're doing it with Americans is wonderful for us here. I mean, Tim Reem, even into his 30s, is now arguably playing his best soccer ever and that wonderful compliment of the physical abilities still there. Uh, despite his age and obviously, you know, the, the, the tactical understanding um, coming to fruition and, you know, playing alongside his, uh, his partner there in, uh, in Jedi Robinson going up and down that, uh, that left-hand side. So that's fun. But I, I, we've talked about Arsenal possibly slipping up. Now, Fulham's not going to surprise anybody because everybody that has watched this, this year knows what Fulham is about and knows that they are a very, very good team. So Arteta and company are going to come in understanding that they have their hands full, not that they, they shouldn't and wouldn't look to, uh, to beat Fulham, but this could absolutely, all those, you know, maybe they go to, I'm talking about uh, Arsenal, maybe they go to the well and it's empty this time against a team like Fulham that has much more now and much more ability to, to shut down a game than maybe others that they have faced. Manchester United, they actually play tomorrow against Betis in the Europa League, so that'll be their first chance to respond to the 7-0. But from a Premier League standpoint, they're home to Southampton at the weekend. Is this going to be them taking their frustrations out on poor Southampton? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it is. It, it, it is. And, you know, I, I, I mean, I wish I was a fly on the wall for Ten Hagen because what do you do as a coach there? There's almost a part of you that just says, it's just ridiculous. I'm just going to throw it out. But are you, you know, burn the tape, do whatever you have to do. But are are you not, are you doing a disservice to your team because there are things that you can learn? And I don't know what, what type of coach ultimately he is in this type of uh, situation. And every coach would do something differently. He does benefit from having Europa here where I think they can come out. I think that they can, you know, spread their, you know, Spread their legs, not spread their legs. That's what it is, right? They shouldn't spread their legs. <laughs> they should definitely spread their wings and fly, Mossy. Or their legs. They could spread their legs too. I don't know how much they're going to fly, but I'm going to be looking for Manchester United to spread their legs Thursday and this weekend. <laughs> All right, we've got a VOD candidate right there. Um, in terms of the relegation battle, America's team leads United. They will play host to Brighton. Uh, this is the type of game you got to win. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it, and this is a team that they can beat, that they almost at this point, I think, have to beat. And I think they will. I, 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 I think they will. Uh, you know, from an American perspective, we have now seen over the last couple of weeks where all three uh, American players have started for Leeds. I don't know if that, that continues. But at this point, the American part of the Leeds situation is the least, is the least of their worries in terms of a big picture. They just need to get points, and they need to get points badly against this team. Uh, in Germany, Bayern Munich will play host to Augsburg in the Bavarian Derby. We didn't mention this when we talked about the Champions League game, but I'm going to mention it here. How freaking good is Alfonso Davies? We almost take it for oh. granted at this point, but the way he just I'm so glad past. you brought that. I'm so glad you brought that up. I mean, uh, again, we always talk about, you know, American players, and I know he's Canadian, but it doesn't, but it, it applies too. We always say, he he has gone or she have gone from being uh, a good American player to just a great player who happens to be American. And Alfonso Davies at this point, yes, he's Canadian and the and the pride of Canada and will go down as arguably the best Canadian player ever to play the game. And he just gets better and better. I mean, did you see him today? 
like just taking on players. And it, sometimes it was just a drop of a shoulder and then he's gone and the separation that he, uh, that he creates. And, and, and he's not neglecting his defensive responsibilities either. So, I mean, he's a complete modern left back uh, in, in not only in name, but in practice. In the too. first half, there was one play where he turned around Hakimi, oh, where he chopped one way and then quickly the other way. That was incredible. Beautiful. And then to your point, late in the game, he had a great tackle on Mbappe when it looked like Mbappe might score to pull PSG back in the game. So yeah, Davies and Bayern will play host to Augsburg. Dortmund involved in the Revier Derby. This is the fiercest rivalry in Germany. They will be away to Schalke. Schalke fighting for survival. Dortmund level on points with Bayern, looking to keep up. And yeah, uh, Dortmund, the injuries are piling up. Karim Adeyemi is out. Yusufa Mokoku is out. Julian Brandt now, I presume, will be out. So they might not have a choice as far as Gio Reyna. I would actually expect them to start this game. What do you got in this one? I, I mean, if, if Dortmund lose to a desperate Schalke, like you said, which I guess can happen, then is it over? Because I think that I think Bayern's going to beat Augsburg. Yeah, it is amazing with Bayern because in the Champions League, they've been absolutely imperious. Won all six group games, won home and away against PSG. They look like a team that, frankly, is going to win the Champions right. League. And yet, this is the year where it looks like they might not win the Bundesliga. So it's, it's a. Uh, but yeah, uh, Dortmund, you'd like to see him bounce back from this Champions League elimination and beat Schalke. Won't be easy. Desperate Schalke. Man. All right. And Bayern still has to play Dortmund, right? Uh, correct. That's Oof. coming up in early April. Oh boy. Oh boy. All right. Well, good. We got ourselves. A, we got ourselves a race, but it, it might change after this. Uh, after this weekend. Anything else, Mossy? That's it. All right. Let's take another quick break. When we come back, it's time for Ask Alexi. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more. Right now, save $30 on the American-made Steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real Steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Okay, welcome back. It is uh, time for Ask Alexi, that time in the show where, uh, you know, we listen to uh, or read some of your questions. You use that hashtag Ask Alexi on all the different social media platforms out there. And by the way, our uh, handle out there on all those different social media platforms is SOTU with Lexi. Or you call in, which is where we can listen, on our State of the Union podcast hotline, which is 657-549-2297. What do we have this week, Mossy? Before we get to it, uh, because it's fresh in my mind, uh, Harry Redknapp, it was 2011 that he guided Tottenham into the Champions League quarterfinals. So what Sean had in the rundown was wrong. In the break, you were furiously Googling and, and figuring it out, right? I, I actually remember them losing to Real Madrid in the quarterfinals that year. Uh, but I was just checking the Real Madrid goal scores. Emmanuel Adebayor Ooh. scored a couple of goals in the first leg. Angel Di Maria got one, Cristiano Ronaldo, and then it was 1-0 the second leg, Ronaldo scoring the only goal. You feel pretty good? I feel great. <laughs> All right, what do we got here, Monty? All right, uh, we have a voicemail. Let's take a listen. Yeah, David, this is Ricardo from New Jersey. Here's my question. In your opinion... How much of the success or failure of a team goes to the coach? Is it 50%, 20%, 80%? And to what an extent is coaching becoming less relevant with the use of software live at games or GPS to measure players' performances and also with players getting a lot keener on having a say when it comes to the game strategy? Thank you very much. Congratulations on the podcast. Bye. All right. Thank you, Ricardo, uh, from Jersey. That's a, that's a great question. Okay, so I don't think that coaches, managers, whatever you want to call them, are going anywhere relative to the evol you know, evolving technology, um, albeit technology is, that is being used on a consistent basis. I think it is kind of just adding uh, to the arsenal, if you will, that a coach and a coaching staff has at their disposal. I'm not letting you in on a little secret here because it's not a dirty little secret. As a matter of fact, anybody that watches the game, uh, I think, would agree. Not everybody, but I think many would agree. There is no game where a coach or a manager is of less importance than, I think, the game of soccer. Now, I think it's without a doubt during the actual game, all right, because you 
obviously are limited as to what you can do. You can scream and yell all you want from the sideline. That is rarely ever heard. You, your job really is the formation that you set out, the work that you have done theoretically during the week to get ready for that game, how that plays out, and then the substitutions that you make. But certainly, if you compare it to you know a baseball or an American football, the ability to impact and input into a game is night and day. And that's actually part of what I love about the game. All of that is not to say that coaches and managers aren't important. And as a matter of fact, the money that they are paid, the steam that they are afforded, um, the praise that they get, I think is relative to very small, but obviously incredibly valuable and important things that they do. And it's not always X's and O's, and I think this applies to a lot of different sports. Sometimes it is a pat on the back versus a kick in the ass. Sometimes it's being a psychologist. Sometimes it's being a confidant. Sometimes it's being a, for lack of a better word, a a parent or a peer. All of those different things come into play for a uh, for a coach. I think that they get probably more credit that they, than they deserve, but I also think at times they get more criticism than they deserve. It always is interesting to me, and I get why coaches do it in all sports, where they take the brunt of the criticism or they take responsibility. If I, you know, a ball comes across and I miss a sitter, you know, or I'm not in the position where I'm supposed to be in, that, that the onus is yes on the player, but ultimately it gets transferred to the coach. But you, you can, you know, <laughs> lead a horse to drink, right? And so I, I value coaching. And I think that a, the right coach and a good coach can ultimately be the difference between winning and losing and being successful and failing. But I also think that the beauty of the game is that it is the players and that you set them up as best as you possibly can to put them in situations to be successful. And maybe that's where true coaching and, and a true manager earns their keep. And then... It is left up to the players to figure to figure it out. And yes, there's an element of the soccer gods and all of that. But Ricardo, don't let anybody tell you from the outside that this is, you know, incredible coaching as to what you saw here. I think what we do on a consistent basis, because the game at times can be so frustrating and because at times it can be almost chaotic, is try to apply logic to it and try to ascribe reason as to why it's happening. And a lot of that time, a lot of that is through coaching. Well, this is what's happening. I mean, I saw something today when I was watching on TV, an explanation and a, and a tactical breakdown. And I know that it was all bullshit. Okay. And that's not to say that, that tactics aren't, that tactics aren't important, but we're so desperate to explain the game that we throw out jargon or we just talk a lot or we, you know, use uh, technology to try to explain a game that oftentimes is how good you are as a player. So thank you, Ricardo, from uh, from New Jersey. And uh, if you are a coach, I value you. I think your co- I think your players value you. But sometimes the way you are most valuable is stepping aside and recognizing that this is a player's game and it should stay that and picking and choosing your moments. Uh, and less is more when it comes to a coach or a manager. Speaking of coaching, we have a Twitter question from Lauren Phillips. He says, serious question. Why haven't I heard anything, anything in all caps, new about the USMNT's manager search in weeks? What is leadership doing? Shouldn't this be an all-hands-on-deck emergency at this point? Uh, it's... Yeah. Should it be an emergency? Meh. I, I, 
I don't know if I would call it an emergency. I know it's frustrating. I know it's frustrating to Lauren. I know it's frustrating to me and to others as to why we don't have people in place, especially especially as time passes on. Our, our good friend uh, Doug McIntyre, wonderful uh, writer here at uh, at Fox, actually just put out an article, and I, I I you know I want to promote it and make sure that you go read it. And he actually has a list of potential candidates. Now it's not a, a definite one, and. Uh, and there's certainly others. I'm sure that they're going to be out there. And here are just some of the things that, uh, that that he is talking about for that replacement. And again, we don't know ultimately how the structure is going to work. Ernie Stewart has gone. Brian McBride has gone. So that that sporting director, if you will, that Ernie Stewart was that looked over everything, including both the men's side and the women's side, might go away. And it might just be a replacement, I guess, for Brian McBride. And if that's the case, let's go with that. There's p- people like Oguchionyewu. Kate Margraff, who, by the way, is on the other side, which was an interest, uh, interesting one, and there's nothing that says that she couldn't come and oversee everything, given her experience right now. But I do think they're kind of going to separate it out and have a men's and women's side as opposed to an Ernie position that sees everything. Uh, Freddie Bobich, uh, Carlos Bocanegra over there in Atlanta, Tim Bezbachenko uh, from Columbus Crew, Oliver Bierhoff, uh, Ali Curtis he has, Chris Henderson, Dane Murphy, John Thorrington. So a lot of, I think, really interesting candidates. And believe me, there is going to be a whole other host of candidates because I do think that this is still an attractive uh, an attractive job. Um, I mentioned Tim, Tim Bezbachenko. Got a lot of time for him. I think he's really, really smart. Keep in mind that this position, yes, you. I think you have to have an understanding of the business that you were involved in, but you're not trading players. You're not dealing with salary caps. Um, so really somebody that is specific in understanding what the U S men's national team is looking for. And then in this day and age where you have to go in and recruit and lobby and ultimately win over many players, the ability to do that, I think is, uh, I think is important, you know, the connections, uh, and the vision. This person is going to decide who the coach is going to be and theoretically is going to have a grand vision that they are going to specifically pick out a person to execute on a day-to-day basis, even though that coaching job is not a day-to-day type of basis. But the point is, this guy is antsy about the lack yeah. of a manager. It, you think they got to take care of the general manager first, or, or at least that's what they're going to I do. I think that they have said, right. uh, yes, that they are going to do that. And I think it's right. I, I think it's completely asinine to have somebody ahead and above of your coach and not have that person be given the authority to pick uh, that. And I think they're going to do it, but don't be, don't, don't be surprised if it doesn't happen until summer. And therefore that position is done by the summer. And then as quickly as they possibly can, that next position is filled, which is the yeah, coach. And these were Doug McIntyre's candidates for the general manager yep. job. Doug McIntyre, incidentally, I was trading emails with him recently and I said, you should come on the pod. And he did not reply to that email, which I, I can take a hint, Doug. Listen, so he doesn't. Guess, uh, he doesn't want to come on this. I mean, it's it's got a great reach, and you know we'll still promote him because we we still love him. Carly Lloyd wants to come on the show, you know she uh, and and she is more than welcome. You know, if you can take Doug's place now, Doug, I'm sure he'll uh, he'll be on our show many many times because he writes wonderful things. So go check that out. Yeah. So so Lauren, I, I don't have an answer for you. I am frustrated to a certain extent. I would rather it get done right, and if it takes a little longer to get done right. Great, but I do think we're once again wasting precious time, and I have no idea who is steer- who is steering the ship right now. And this time just falls away from us that could be used. And every single day is precious relative to 2026. And so every single day that leadership is not in place, it's a day wasted that could possibly be the difference from being successful in 26 and either failing or just not being as successful. And I don't think that we can afford to waste any time relative to 2026. All right. We have another Twitter question. This one, courtesy of Manny Rojas. He says, any chance a U.S. city gets a Liga MX team? I like San Antonio as the first. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. So a Liga MX team in the United States. Well, I mean, with this cooperation and this partnership <laughs> that we have and uh, uh, that between MLS and Liga MX, it, it will be interesting. I don't know. First off, I don't know even if it would be agreed to or allowed 
um, relative to the leadership that exists in the United States. And then I, I get why a Liga MX team may want to do it, but would it be an extension of another brand that already exists in ML, in Liga MX or a brand new team? Uh, Manny here, like you like you mentioned, said Spurs ownership and that type of stuff, San, San Antonio. I, I just, I don't think that that is going to happen until or unless there is the ultimate merger between MLS and Liga MX into a, <laughs> I, I'm running out of words. It can't be a super league anymore. It's a hyper league or something like that. A galactic league, uh, obviously that would be the biggest league in existence. Then maybe if everybody is part of the same entity, it makes it a little bit easier, but I don't, yeah, I don't see that uh, happening. And I don't even think if they wanted to do it separately and alone, I'm not sure that it even would be, would be allowed. Name two players who have played for the San Antonio Spurs in their entire history. The San Antonio Spurs. Um, not Kevin Garnett, right? Not Kevin Garnett. The other guy, uh, uh, Tim uh, Duncan. Duncan and um, did Steve Nash play for them or no? He didn't. Uh, the San Antonio Spurs. Oh, oh, oh. Um, he was a uh, he was an admiral. He was in a submarine. You're gonna get uh, it. He um he went to the uh, he was in our military. He served our country, and he was really tall. Not uh, what the hell was his name? The commander. The uh, no, the admiral. You got the, the nickname admiral, right. Admiral. You, you got to get the name. He, oh, that's that was <laughs> yeah, his yeah. name. The admiral. <laughs> oh God, I remember. I was so impressed with him. Uh, oh God, what the hell was it? San Antonio Spurs? The general, the admiral, the. Yeah, go ahead and tell me. I'm not going to David Robinson. David Robinson. Ah, oh, man. All right, folks. That was today's edition of Testing Alexi's Basketball Knowledge. Oh, my goodness. David Robinson. Yeah, he was cool. I liked him. I remember, I, I think I even had a poster of him where, you know, they used the, you know, the fact that he was military and stuff. Awesome. All right. Anyway, uh, thank you uh, to everyone, including Ricardo and Lauren and uh, Manny for sending in your questions. If you want to send in a question, feel free. Use that hashtag AskAlexi if you want. Or you can uh, call our State of the Union podcast hotline, which again is 657-549-2297. 657-549-2297. All right, we're coming to the end of our show. One more break. When we come back, I'll give you, I'll give you my one for the Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services. Marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know... You're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. Okay, welcome back. It's the end of our show, and at the end of each and every show, I give you my one for the road. I'm also going to bring you in here because I want you to uh, read a uh, quote from the great Jim Curtin, the head coach of the uh, Philadelphia Union. In an interview with The Athletic, he was asked about the television program Ted Lasso, and he said, do I think it has set back the American coach 20 years? Yes, I do. Ooh, that is a money quote, by the way, uh, because it hits and ticks so many different boxes here. All right, so... You know, the Ted Lasso phenomenon, we've talked about this uh, this before, and it is a phenomenon, and it continues on. And uh, I guess there would be this would be also be a good point for us to uh, 
highlight that we are going to interview uh, the great uh, Brendan Hunt, the coach beard of the show, writer, actor, uh, you know, wonderful talent. And so we will have that up, uh, that interview up for you next week. But, you know, this, this quote from Jim Curtin is really interesting. When I think about Ted Lasso and the effect that it has had on you know, something that is near and dear to me, to you, to us, when it comes to American soccer and the way that it is um, brought people into the soccer tent, there is a part of me that absolutely looks at it as a positive and something that I am excited about and proud about. But make no mistake, Ted Lasso is built around a stereotype of American coaches, uh, soccer coaches and just coaches in sports in general. And it consistently reinforces a stereotype of American coaches. And in that sense, I think Jim Curtin is absolutely correct. But I also feel that Ted Lasso is a show about much more than soccer. And when I have you know, talked and met with uh, the cast and told them how much I enjoy the show, I made a point of saying how I think they have found that wonderful balance. And from a soccer perspective, that, that means a lot. And I think more often than not, it laughs with us, when I talk about American soccer people, than at us. Um, and, and keep this in mind, this is about entertainment. The Ted Lasso show has no responsibility to American soccer, to American soccer coaches, to American sports or American sports coaches out there. They have a responsibility to entertain and use whatever it is they feel appropriate to make the funniest and most appealing show. And they have obviously done that. But in doing that, they have perpetuated some of these stereotypes that many of us who have been around a long time have had to fight against. Now, I know I'm not an American coach, so I'm, I wouldn't claim to put my feet in uh, the big shoes of someone like Jim Curtin, who I, I, I'm sure has aspirations to do other things, quote unquote, bigger things. And Probably that involves at some point going to Europe. And he certainly has seen what has happened with the likes of Bob Bradley and Jesse Marsh. And I know when people bristle when you say that, uh, that, that, that that perception has possibly hurt them or has come into play. And it's just about winning and losing. No, it's not. We're dealing with humans. And in this case, we're dealing with American humans. And in this case, we're dealing with American humans involved in soccer that come with baggage and come with that history. And yes, come with that stereotype. And so when a, the world and an American public is watching this show and it confirms what a lot of people who have no real connection necessarily to soccer, and this might even be their only uh, connection to soccer. Uh, again, it it has the potential to hurt that perception internally, in terms of how we see ourselves, and externally, it feeds into that stereotype that we see on a consistent basis, and that many of us, for now multiple generations, as players, as coaches, as media members, have been fighting against. And it's not to the point where I think that this is something that should go away or I want to go away by any stretch of the imagination. We're going to be just fine. Jim Curtin's going to be just fine. American soccer is going to be just fine. It can certainly withstand a, a show like Ted Lasso that pokes fun at us, at the game, um, because I think that there is also a tremendous amount of good that it is doing. And ultimately... If you can't laugh at yourself, then I think you got problems. And, and this is not a, you know, I, I, I love Jim Curtin precisely because of the fact that he can laugh at himself. And he knows what he is up against. He knows that at times he's not going to necessarily be treated had he been born in pretty much any place else but the United States as a coach relative to opportunities or relative to the perception that somebody may have. 
And I think he recognizes it. But I also think that he's coming into his own when it comes to his platform and his voice. And so when he's asked that question, the easy answer is to say, nah, it's fine. It's no big deal. And we just laugh it off. But he didn't say that. He, you know, I think he was incredibly human and honest in that moment. And I do think, as I said, that there is some truth to what he is saying. But that's not a reason to, for Ted Lasso, as the show, to care at all about what they are doing or what they are not doing or the impact that they are having or not having or to change in any way. Their job is to entertain us. And certainly over the last five years uh, since, the, since the show started, you're hard-pressed to find a show that has been more popular, more successful, more impactful, and more entertaining than Ted Lasso. And you know what? I'm going to talk to Brendan Hunt about this. I'm going to ask him if he feels the show has been hurtful or detrimental to the very game that it purports to support. So we'll find out uh, that. Anyway, uh, Mossy, anything before we go? That's it. All right, listen, we've had a wonderful time this week. Uh, next week, as I mentioned, I will be uh, going under the knife. I don't know how I am going to feel. Uh, as I said, I got all sorts of meds at my disposal. Uh, it's happening for those that care. Monday morning, bright and early, first surgery of the day, 7 a.m. I will uh, I will be having the surgery. So by 8 by 8 o'clock a.m. Uh, here on the Pacific Coast, I will be out. And, uh, you know, then we start rehab uh, immediately. I have a machine that gets my leg moving immediately. I have an ice machine that, uh, that does all sorts of stuff. And hopefully I will be back and, uh, and, and doing the show as quickly as I possibly can. But, you know, we'll, we'll make do. We have, uh, we have the technology that enables us to, to do some different things. And as I said, this is not something that's fun or something I'm necessarily looking forward to other than the fact that hopefully this is going to, uh, you know, help me have a better quality of life, uh, life going forward. And it'll be fun. And I'll document it. I'll get all the blood and guts for you to, uh, to check out. All right. Ready, Mossy? Should we head out of here? Yep. All right. We will talk to you again uh, next week here on the State of the Union. Keep reviewing, keep uh, rating, keep downloading, keep doing all the different things that you do, whether you're watching us, whether you're listening to us, whether it's on Spotify, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on uh, iTunes, out there, wherever you are getting the State of the Union podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We'll talk again next week. And until then, and as always, my friends, size the day.